Hi, I'm Darren Peppard. Welcome to the Leaning into Leadership podcast, the podcast dedicated to today's hardworking leader. Join me every Sunday for leadership insight, inspiration, and a little pep talk to keep you rolling down your road to awesome. Hello and welcome, my friends, into episode 63 of the Leaning into Leadership podcast. Today, we're going to talk about mental health. And we're going to do that with my friend, Maria Barrera. Maria is the founder of Clayful, which is a company that's on a mission to help kids build the skills and the resilience necessary to tackle anything that comes their way. Throughout Maria's career in education, technology, and human resources, she has always been focused on solving big problems in complex systems. And now she's tackling the biggest problem of all, the mental health crisis. Maria's dedication to helping others is rooted in her own experience. She ran her first coaching session when she was just 15 years old and has always found joy in coaching others through life's everyday stressors and challenges. Her passion for education led her to start a tutoring company while getting her engineering degrees at Stanford University and to working with thousands of districts as a founding member of the team at Nearpod. With Clayville, Maria is bringing together education, technology, and healthcare in a way that is helping kids improve their mental wellness, regardless of their socioeconomic status. I had an amazing conversation recently with Maria, and you're going to hear that right on the other side of these messages, including a word from our sponsor, Peer Driven PD. I'll see you on the other side. Hey, leaders, how often do you hear from certain teachers that PD just doesn't feel relevant to them? If you need a professional development solution that offers differentiated PD that will cater to the unique needs of your teachers, I've got the answer. Peer Driven PD seeks out some of the best teachers in the country, documents their tips and techniques that work in real classrooms every day, and provide that content directly to schools. That's right. Your teachers can learn from other full-time classroom teachers that are in the trenches, just like your staff. And the great thing is, Peer Driven PD features a wide range of material from all levels and content areas. This means instant credibility with some of your most reluctant educators. The courses are really engaging. Things like project-based learning at early elementary, building student agency with meaningful projects for secondary teachers, getting students unstuck in math, and so many more. And just released this fall, a series of classroom management essentials for early elementary, upper elementary, and secondary teachers, all taught by phenomenal full-time classroom teachers. Imagine the morale boost for your teachers when they see themselves and their day-to-day challenges reflected and addressed in their professional development. If you'd like to hear more, Reach out to peerdrivenpd.com. Tell them the Leaning Into Leadership podcast sent you, and they'll give you a free trial access so you can check out all of their content and decide for yourself. Again, that's peerdrivenpd.com. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and a podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. So one of the largest challenges that schools are faced with right now is managing the mental health needs of their staff and of their students. Today on the show, my guest is Maria Pereira, and we're going to talk exactly about that. We're going to get into some conversations around mental health needs, both at the adult and the student level, some ways that those things could be managed, a really awesome new company that Maria has founded in Clayful. But before we get to that, let's do this. Maria, welcome into the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Really excited to be here. 
yeah, I'm excited to have this conversation with you. So before we dive in, just really quick, Maria, tell my listeners a little bit about you. Um, I don't know, a little bit of your journey, uh, a little bit of, you know, what you're currently doing, that kind of stuff, just to give them some information. Amazing. Yeah. So uh, I'm Maria, the founder and CEO. We started Clayful about a year ago, and I've spent my whole career in education and technology. I, I think that there's so much uh, that educators do on a day-to-day basis and so much that students need and continue to benefit from on the with technology. So we, you know, I, I was an early team member at Nearpod where we, you know, I believe really changed the face of instruction, instruction with technology and has been, you know, that was an incredible journey. And now we're aiming to do that with Clayful. So we're bringing, you know, humans and technology together to help address the mental health crisis. Yeah, absolutely. So, so let's, let's rewind a little bit. Let's go a little bit back into uh, you and I, before we hit record, we're talking about some of your background and, you know, it's, I love what you guys are doing at Clayful. I'm, I'm excited about the product and about what, you know, what's available out there for, you know, for my fellow school administrators, you know, who are, who are battling that. Uh, you and I were talking a little bit before we hit record also about, you know, having opportunities and, and money and all this kind of stuff to hire counselors. I tried to do that as a superintendent. You know, all the money in the world doesn't matter if the people aren't there. So I love what you guys are doing there. But I want to go back in time a little bit further. And I, I just have to ask this. So how does an individual with a master's in mechanical engineering end up developing a program and for that matter developing a company focused on supporting the mental health needs of teenagers I, help me with that a little bit <laughs> that's a very good question um so okay i'm gonna tell you i i as we were talking about earlier like i get really inspired by pieces of media one of the ones that comes to mind because of that question is um, the steve jobs 2005 commencement speech at stanford he talks about uh, the importance of connecting the dots and that you can't really connect the dots looking forward. You can really only look at, look, do that looking backward. And that's actually an exercise that we do now at the company. Whenever we, we it, during our company retreats, we have team members sort of look at all the different dots that have connected them, th- that have gotten them to where they are today, which is, you know, joining this new company. Uh, for me, there's a couple dots that come to mind. I'm going to take you way, way, way back to literally when I came to the U.S. (laughs) Um, I I was 10. I came with my mom from Colombia. And, you know, my parents have been divorced since I was two. Uh, I grew up with my mom. And um, both of them had very interesting childhoods. And that, of course, framed and and shaped, like, my own childhood. Uh, And I've learned a lot about, like, their mental health journey and the importance of getting support when, since you're, you know, while you're young to be able to, you know, undo generational trauma and ensure that we are being the most intentional with your actions and words, especially when, you know, raising kids. Um, Some of that I learned the hard way, you know, when like we were going through things as a family and then other things were, you know, I was able to like really reflect based on the things that they've shared as they've gone through their own mental health journey. So I feel like there's always been a, an aspect of 
that piece. And actually the name Clayful came from that. Um, it came from a conversation mm. with my dad and the idea that, you know, we're all made of clay. Everything that happens to us shapes us in some way, shape or form. And uh, ideally as a company, we're able to now give kids the tools to be able to reshape that to who they want to be. Um, and and uh, as well as be one of those tools. So that that's like a big dot and it's informed a lot of like my own mental health journey. Um, it, the second one really is around, you know, when I was in high school, middle school and the things that I saw around me, right? I had friends who were deeply struggling. I had friends whose parents were deeply struggling. Um, I was a rebel and needed, <laughs> needed some support <laughs> myself. Um, yeah. So a lot of the like what we're doing now is also like, what do I wish I had? What, what do I wish I had access to when I was younger? And like, how do I build something for like, you know, the young Maria that that needed more support than she needed? She knew at the time and that her like parents didn't knew she needed at the time. Um, and then we start seeing that like, OK, I was I love tutoring. I loved working with kids. I always thought it was because I wanted to be a teacher, like a math teacher at some point. But um, it was really because I was working with these middle school and high schoolers, teaching them, you know, trigonometry, but really talking about the pressures that we're facing. And it was like, oh, well, you know, my parents are putting a lot of pressure on me to get straight A's, or um, I am really struggling with this day with my friend group. And, you know, looking back on it now, I'm like, wait, I was like, tutoring and coaching at the same time like this all this is starting to make sense um and then of course like all the experiences at Nearpod and and trying to understand like how do we build a product that students love teachers want to use and have time to use right and administrators can pay for all in one I would say you know that's a lot of edtech companies haven't necessarily figured all those pieces out. And I'm really proud of, that, yeah. of what we did at Nearpod for that. Um, so that that's definitely informs a lot of how we work with schools today. And, and is a big, you know, a big dot that connects us to where we are today. Right. And then the last one is really um, what the work that I did as the pandemic was, was unfolding um, was really, it was in it, the HR space. And I saw the needs, like how HR was investing so much in employee mental health and all of these companies that were doubling, tripling, and you know, their, their offerings as much as they like trying to keep up with the demand, but I didn't see much for kids. So big stuff on the adult side. And, you know, it's really exciting that we've been able to, to find some really innovative models, both on the tech side, as well as in the on the financial side, because like a lot of companies are paying for it. Um, but there was, I didn't see a lot for kids. And, and as we saw, like the pandemic had, you know, accelerated a lot of the mental health issues that, that kids are experience, have been experiencing. And that's really, you know, that article I told you about, about the rising suicide rates in eight year olds, like that's the one that ended up truly, you know, being the big, the catalyst that said like, Oh, you yes, you you studied mechanical engineering. You thought you were going to build airplanes. You decided that you wanted to take that and build, you know, tech products instead. Um, and and now you can sort of take that experience and turn it into something completely different. Um, again, connecting a lot of these dots that 
you really care about and can have impact on. So that's that was the conversation I had with myself at like 2 a.m. on a Tuesday night. <laughs> <laughs> just a random Tuesday, right? Yeah, yeah just a random so, Tuesday. <laughs> holy cow, there's so much there I want to unpack. Um, you know, first, um, the I, here's what I want to go at first. Um, one, one of my favorite quotes uh, from a gentleman named Rory Vaden. Rory mm-hmm. says that we are uniquely positioned to help the person that we once were. And I think it's mm-hmm. really interesting how where what you're doing right now that you reflected that back on, you know, young Maria and the, the needs that young Maria had. I think one of the biggest challenges, and, and I want you to maybe, maybe address this a little bit uh, the best that you can, but I think one of the challenges that sometimes we have in the mental health space with our younger, with our younger individuals, with our kids, whether that's inside of a school or outside of a school, one of the biggest challenges is finding a way to provide those supports from somebody who can actually relate with mm-hmm. the kid, right? So maybe talk a little bit about that, both maybe maybe your experience and then maybe some things you guys have, have done at Clayful to address that. Um, I know you have, so I'm, I'm just kind of curious about that. Yeah, I mean, as I, as I talk to clinical therapists, they always tell me, like, therapy is not built for kids, right? Like, there's so many aspects of it where you're like, you're going to show up here at Tuesday at 5 p.m. and, like, talk about your feelings. And it's like, what if at Tuesday at 5 p.m. they're just like, they want to go play soccer or, like, play video yeah. games? Like, <laughs> yeah. You have to get into yeah. a mind space in a way that, you know, it's not necessarily conducive to that conversation. Um, but, like, I, I talked a little bit about young Maria, like, when when I was really struggling, like whether it's like identity crisis, you know, coming from Colombia and like not being Colombian, not being American, like it's just like, you know, I'm in this weird limbo and I'm like trying to figure out like my independence, but like with a very overbearing mother, um, what she, bless her heart, tried to help, got me a therapist, very kind, 60 year old German man. I'm like, mm. we don't have a lot in common. <laughs> Surprise. Yeah, you guys. It probably didn't have a ton of common, did it? Uh, uh, yeah. No, no, no. Uh, and it was this, like, I mean, we I think it, we had two sessions and, like, got nothing out of it. Um, and it was really frustrating for my mom and really frustrating for me. And, you know, I think about that a lot now. And, and as we hire and train coaches, we're always looking for people who have shared life experience and can speak to the things and can have lived with the things that kids are struggling with now, right? So whether that's, you know, 15 per- or 18% of psychologists are um, BIPOC. Clayful is 80%. Like we are, we've, we're really investing a lot in bringing in diversity to our coaching base because, you know, I mean, like this happens in education as well, right? That, uh, that's actually one of the reasons we, at Nearpod we acquired vocabulary because we wanted to see kids represented in instruction. This is the same way uh, for mental health. We want to see kids represented in the in the care that they're getting. So that's, that's a big part of it. Um, we also meet kids where they're at, right? So we're not asking them to show up at 5 p.m. on a Tuesday, but rather <laughs> it's on demand, right? So we teach them, it's like, hey, here's the things you might want to talk about. You're stressed about a test. You're, you know, you had a fight with your best friend. You saw something on that someone posted about you on social media that you want to talk about. Like all these things are, you know, realities of day to day. Instead of 
getting in a fight with that friend or, you know, getting upset and self-harming. Like you, there's other avenues and, and like one of those is to talk to Playful. Um, so we teach them like, here's the, you know, when you have an itch, here's how you can scratch it. And it, it's like, I think there's so much power in that because then they start to learn like, oh, there's there's different tools that I can pull from my toolkit when I feel a certain way and start to like recognize emotions and self-regulate. Um, so I'm really excited about that in particular, because I think that it, it helps kids build a ton of capacity. Um, and we're also all text-based. So we're, we're meeting kids where they're at. Uh, we know that, you know, a lot of kids are not proud of their home. They don't want to zoom. Bandwidth issues are still very, very, very prevalent, regardless of all the investments that came in during COVID, right? There's still, access is still a big issue. So we're really trying to to make it as accessible and like frictionless as possible. Um, by And a lot of kids also just will text before they can talk, right? It's, it's hard to articulate feelings and it's hard to say things out loud. So I think a lot of those pieces are so key to, I think like our success thus far and like being able to keep that the student at the center. Maybe it's because I'm like, hey, what would, have Maria, what would Maria have wanted? But also because we're listening to, to students and talking to teachers and talking to parents consistently to, to really build for them. Leaders, your educators deserve to have a leader who believes in them, who supports them, and who lifts them up when they're down. Right now, they deserve that reminder that they are traveling their own road to awesome. On that road to awesome, we focus on the things we can control and we let go of the things we can't. On that road to awesome, we rise by lifting others, not by pushing each other down. And on that road to awesome, we change the world one conversation at a time. Leaders, I want to work with your schools. I want to work with you and your educators to lift them up, to honor the work they do, and to let them know they are not in this alone. Let's get together. Let's have a conversation. Let's get your teachers back on that road to awesome, to find that love, to find that clarity, and to walk in their purpose. Reach out to us at roadtoawesome.net for your opportunity to bring Road to Awesome to your school. So much in there that I loved. <laughs> and, you know, one of the pieces that I'm just going to touch on, and I'm not, I don't want to mm-hmm. loop back to it, but it was it was something that really stood out to me, and I wrote it down, that um, we, we've certainly moved past the point where we're doing, you know, virtual instruction, unless students have chosen to to do virtual instruction, mm-hmm. but you, you talked about in there that a lot of kids don't want to jump on zoom for, you know, whether it's therapy or whatever the case may be just simply because of maybe an embarrassment of, I don't want anybody to see where I live. I don't want people to see, you know, what, what my home looks like, you know, whether that's my room, my, you know, kitchen table, whatever that might be. And, Again, it's not something I want to chase, but it is something that I wanted to just bring back up because I think sometimes, certainly during that that window of time when we were doing so much and basically all of our instruction was virtual and there was this continued, you know, you know, teachers, you got to get them to turn the cameras on and the mute buttons mm-hmm. off. 
there's so much more to that than mm-hmm. just simply that kids have checked out. I guess this, that's I guess that's really where I want to go yeah. with this. Um, it's a big challenge in education right now, and now having kids back in to classrooms and that that's been the norm now for a while, but I hear it all the time. You know, as I'm going around. Um, whether I'm speaking in a school, I'm coaching in a school, wh- whatever the case may be, that so many kids are still, you know, the camera's off, and the mm-hmm. mute button's on. They might be in the room, but that is their mode. Maybe mm-hmm. – I don't even know what my question is here, but I just think that was super powerful, and I, I just – I want to just lob it across to you and let you run with that. I mean, it that deeply resonates. The first time we went into a school what last year, we saw, I remember there was these kids with really long hair, like covering their eyes, hoodies up, headphones in, and like hoodies zipped up so you can even see their face, right? So yeah, it's really just like social armor, right? You're just like, hey, I'm protecting myself. This is like my cocoon. And, you know, I think back to to COVID and so much of what we lost during that time was that like social connection and like being isolated. Even if you were going to school in some way, there's still so much like fear of other people um, that that, I mean, that's showing up all the time, right? Like kids come in because they don't know how to make small talk and like talk to someone at lunch to make friends. And I, I you know, a lot of our, our workforce is dependent on working together and teamwork is such a key like that collaboration is so key to success and we like a lot of kids haven't learned those skills yet so it's it's really hard and and it and you're totally right it's not that they're checked out or they don't care it's like a kid got assigned a group project and they were hyperventilating because they had to work with other people like they're it's just like really really deep fears that's not it doesn't mean that they're not academically motivated it doesn't mean oh it just means that they're you know it's not a muscle that they've exercised so we have to help them bridge those gaps i love that you know i think i think another piece here so i'm going to put my superintendent hat on and or actually better i'm gonna go even better i'm gonna put on my high school principal hat and we are trying like crazy to keep our kids with their phones put away. Uh, there are, you know, districts around the country who have gone to these like fancy cell phone lockbox kind of mechanisms where, you know, they're out of sight, out of mind. And if I were one of those, I might push back on you right now, Maria, and say, so you're telling me that you have a program that is going to allow kids to have essentially someone to support them, but I don't want them to have their phones available during the school day. Push back against me on that. Tell me tell me why I'm wrong there. Hey, a lot of the schools we work with have those policies. <laughs> and uh, we, yep, they do. <laughs> so we work with schools to figure out, hey, you're, you, you have a point of view here. We respect that. What are the ways that we can support kids that fit within that model. So we have a web app. It's not just an iOS or Android app, right? Um, a lot of teachers will say, will go through their lesson. And then once they're done, they're like, oh, go on your Chromebook and like chat with a coach. 
So we'll get, you know, flurries of kids coming in. They're like, hey, my teacher said I could come in. You're like, wonderful, let's do that. Um, we're now we're also building out um, mental health lessons. So like we did a really good one for New Year's resolutions uh, because a lot of kids are thinking, about, okay, what is my big New Year's resolution? And you realize that, hey, most people don't actually meet their New Year's resolution because you dream so big that it becomes a little overwhelming. So we talk about like, how do we turn that into instead a new day's intention? So instead of making it a year, let's do one day, one day at a time. And one day at a time, you can get a lot further. So we, and then after that, you go through that experience and you can chat with a coach. So if you have something to chat about, great. If you don't, you know, go on with your day. But it's, it's really about like embedding it into the things that schools are already doing. Some schools have like playful corners where kids are struggling. They're, you know, they're not feeling like they can be engaged in class right now. That's okay. Go talk to a coach while you're waiting for the counselor, while you're waiting for, for a principal. If you get called into the principal office, how might we help like de-escalate in that moment and help you prepare for that conversation in a way that makes the interaction with the principal a lot more smooth. <laughs> so there's a lot of that. these like tidbits yeah. that we can, that where we can support. And I think it's been really exciting to see schools think about like, okay, here's this tool. It's flexible enough to accommodate to the way that we want to use it. And because it has this mobile app component, I, as a counselor, as a principal, as an AP, like I can go home and know that there is a safety net in case something happens, right? And if a kid needs support, I will, I will be, I will be escalated to. So it's kind of, you know, becomes almost the best of both worlds, I'd want to say. But I'm biased, of course. <laughs> of course. Well, and you know, I would tell you, number one, the more we can do to wrap as much support around our kids as we possibly can, I think that's, I think that's fantastic. And number two, I would tell you, the regular listeners of the of the podcast and those who have read my book are like, wait a minute, Darren, are you arguing like for putting away cell phones? Because they know that my opinion is, <laughs> let them have them in their hands. I, yeah. I don't see the problem with it. I really don't. If I won't chase that. But I'm sure that there are those who know me well who are like, wait a minute, Darren, are you like supporting the lock up the cell phone thing? Because that ain't you. It's not me. It really isn't. And and the fist bump that you that you were seeing over here was, man, I just I love where you went with with that, with that answer to that because I again I just think it's so critical that we are able to wrap supports around our kids. Mm -hmm. We need to say, do the same thing with our adults right now too. But in, in a lot of places, you talked about the HR piece a little bit, and I, I might even ask ask another question on that real quick. But a lot of the HR pieces now, we are able to do more and more of that. Telehealth now has really mm -hmm. embraced mental health as much as the physical health side. But to be able to do something with our students, with, with the work that you guys are doing, I think is really fantastic. Um, let me loop back now just really quick because you were in HR mm -hmm. during the pandemic. You were doing that work. And I'm sure you saw some things, you know, from, from that perspective on the adult side. So, so let me just, if I may, let me just ask you a little something in the adult side of this because, you know, as leaders in our organizations, especially our educational leaders, Yes, we have kids we got to take care of, but the, one of the most important things we do to take care of our kids is take care of our adults. So yeah. I know Clayful is not designed for the adults, but maybe maybe give us some perspective or just some thoughts of what are some things that school leaders can do to take care of those adults, maybe help them understand how Clayful 
is impacting kids? And then also, how can they take care of themselves? Yeah, I mean, being an ed tech, you meet a lot of former educators, right? A lot of incredible teachers who left the classroom, not because they didn't love it, but because they couldn't do it anymore. And like every time it, it just like, it broke my heart. And time and time again, it the thing that kept on coming up is, well, I just couldn't support the kids the way they needed it. And so much secondhand trauma, so much of these like amazing humans who care deeply, carry so much empathy and they get completely burned out, not from the actual teaching, but from carrying all of this weight of the student's experience, especially in in areas with, you know, where there's food insecurity, housing insecurity, it's just, it's really, really hard. So I, I would argue that like the best teachers I've met is, you know, they they were incredible teachers because they care so deeply and they had to leave because they care so deeply. Um, so, you know, when Melissa, who's our, my co-founder, like she, that, that that's her story. And she was a teacher and an administrator and she had to leave when she had her kids because she's just like, I can't give them what they, what they need anymore. And, and this, that's what brings her to this work because she really feels that like by sort of taking on some of that load, if you will, from teachers where it, we, we can support them to stay in the classroom longer. And, you know, that's, that's a, that's definitely a dream. Um, I think beyond that, you know, a, a lot of teachers will, you know, one of our, our core tenants is like, if you listen to kids, they'll tell you what they need. <laughs> oh, and, absolutely. Yep. And I, I feel like teachers do the same thing, right? If you listen to them, they'll tell you what they need. Um, and how can we as a community and as a society, like really listen to teachers now? I mean, we've, you know, we, we say that they're superheroes and that they're amazing and the incredible work that they're doing. But we don't always put it, we don't always put our, whether it's money or resources where our mouth is. So like, how can we better support them um, to, and like really show how much they actually matter because they do, right? I mean, you now see some of these stats on, on teacher turnover and it's, it's not good news, right? So many teachers no. leaving, the lack of people going into the space. Um, so that's something too that I'm, excited about too because we as we start getting coaches excited about supporting kids you know many of them are former educators maybe they'll go into the classroom or maybe they'll like you know get to your point about like when you get when you talk to kids and when you get that like you know feel good yeah. <laughs> feeling again like maybe we can we can provide that too and, and and help drive some people into into schools so yeah lots of work to do there um but yeah. i do think it can it can make a big impact well, I think I, I really appreciate that that response because listening is such a such a critical thing right now for our leaders to be doing. You know, we I, I think I've told the story on the podcast before, but you know, I, I remember going through the pandemic um, as a superintendent. Prior to that, you know, anytime if somebody had said to me, uh, whether I was an AP, a principal, or a superintendent, you know, you just don't know what it's like in the classroom. Not true. I spent 11 mm -hmm. years in the classroom. I was a middle school teacher. I was a high school teacher. 
you know, as a superintendent, you know, you just don't get it as a principal. Yeah, I, I did. I was at 11 years. I was a high school administrator. I get it. But as soon as the pandemic came, this is this is when like all of that went out the door because I don't have the schema. I cannot say that I know what it's like to teach in or post pandemic. It's a completely different world. I, I, I can't say that I understand that. I mean, I can empathize. I really can. But it's such a different world right now. And the most important thing our leaders can do is to listen to their teachers because you are absolutely right. I'm kind of putting words in your mouth, but I'm kind of not. I'm taking them and putting them together. Empathy <laughs> exhaustion is real. Mm -hmm. It is real and it is the primary cause for burnout. Um, it's not just simply, uh, man, I'm tired. You know, that, that empathy exhaustion is a whole nother level. And I love that the work that you are leading with your company is giving some schools and some districts the opportunity to maybe take a little bit of that load of empathy off of some of the teachers mm -hmm. because there's another resource available to them. So really quick, before we go to our last question, let my listeners know, how do they get in touch with you? How do they learn more about Clayful? What, what are the steps they need to take? Yeah. So, I mean, my inbox is open. I'm just Maria at ClayfulHealth.com. So anyone wants to chat, like we love chatting as you can imagine because we're talking to people all the time talking to kids all the time but um i'm i'm just so intrigued to hear about people's experience and how they're addressing this problem so like anyone who wants to talk about student mental health or mental health in general reach out for sure um we also we have a couple pilots that were or a couple pilot spots that were holding actually for your listeners um, so we created oh, a, awesome. a little landing page for that's clayful.co slash leadership. So, and we'll put that in the show notes too, so that yeah, you all absolutely. can go in and, and, and just put in your name and then we'll, we'll schedule a time to chat. Cause I think that there's, there's so much that we can learn from each other and, you know, finding leaders who prioritize mental health and are thinking about not just how to address the crisis today and you know the higher acuity needs that exist today, but also how do we work with real prevention solutions to not have it keep getting worse? Like doing both in parallel is really, really important. So anyone wants to yeah. chat, let me know. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, I think, you know, what, what you guys are building, and, and I appreciate that there's a landing page for my listeners to go in and jump on and check it out. Um, you're not just building a company. I mean, you're really building something that is about solving problems and helping to prevent tragedies and helping to take care of our kids and ultimately take care of our educators. So thank you for that very, very much. So Maria, here we go. Last question on the podcast, same one I ask everybody, and that is, this is the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. So, Maria, what are you doing right now to lean into leadership? Great question. I had no idea I was coming. <laughs> uh, there's two things I, I thought about. One is I'm such a believer in helping, in this case, kids, but also like our team members build capacity, right? And like helping sort of ask the right questions to have them make the right decisions. And how do we set like the right constraints and the right um, values so that everyone can be as autonomous as possible and 
make the right decisions. So like that, and, and that's the same thing that, that that's literally the work that we do with kids on a day-to-day basis. It's like help them frame questions and, and frame their life in a way that helps them make the right decision when they need to. So I think like, that's one of my primary roles as a leader. And it's, you know, something I continue to do every day because I'm also a perfectionist and a control freak. So, you know, you gotta, <laughs> you balance both out. Um, so that's one. And then the other one, it's it actually came up in, in our pre-show conversation, but it's really leaning into experts and it's recognizing like, hey, I don't need to have all the answers. I don't need to know everything. I, I can't be an expert in every single thing, but what I can do is build a really incredible network of people that I can go to, to ask questions and to help us build the best possible solution. Um, so we lean a lot into the experts in our network and are always looking for more. So that's another reason to email me if you want to chat. Um, because yeah. I, I think like so many, so many, so often you're like, oh, I need to know everything. It's like, no, you just need to be able to ask the right questions to the people around you. So that's perfect. And to me, that is what leadership is right there. When, when we don't feel like we have to be the person who solves every problem for everybody, but rather we're the person who is out there making the connections between experts who can help us collectively solve a problem. That to me is great leadership. Maria Barrera, thank you so much for being with me here on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. Thank you so much. Such a cool conversation with Maria. I'm really glad I had the opportunity to meet her. And I'm going to be honest with you. I truly believe in the work that Maria and the crew over at Clayful are doing. So make sure you get over there, check them out. Um, Honestly, there's a link in the show notes for you. Um, Clayful is going to save some pilot spots for the Leaning Into Leadership podcast community. So just go hit the link that's in there. It's clayful.co backslash leadership. It's an opportunity to get in on the pilot with the work they're doing. Um, You know what? We owe it to our kids to come up with anything we can to help them to really build the skills they need, the resilience that they need to tackle the challenges that come their way. Again, Maria, thank you for being on the show and thank you for the work you are doing on behalf of kids. And now it's time for a pep talk. Earlier this week, folks, my Jeep rolled 100,000 miles. (laughs) I know that's a weird place to start a pep talk, right? But here's the thing. It's got me thinking about consistency. It's got me thinking about sticking with what works. So often, we find the new flashy thing in education, whether that's we're going to replace a leader with another leader for whatever reason, or we're going to try a new initiative, or we're going to try something else at the sake of what's consistent and what's working. We don't always have to go get something new. We don't always have to make a change. You know, I've got a really good friend, and, and he he drives a Jeep as well. And one of the first things he said when I texted him about the 100,000 miles is, whoop, time to go get a new one. No, it's not. I mean, my Jeep's just as beautiful now as it was when I drove off the lot. I don't need a new one right now because it works. It's consistent. I can count on it. If I couldn't count on it, if it was no longer functioning well, if it was going to cost more to repair than it would be to replace, then that would make perfect sense. But there's nothing wrong. In fact, I'm still as in love with my Jeep today as it was the day I drove it off the lot. Sometimes in education, we get blinded by the shiny things. 
we get so excited about something else, about another potential thing we could do that we forget about what's working now. As you start thinking about next year, as you start looking at professional development, as you start thinking about initiatives, take an inventory of what you have now. Think about what works, what is consistent, what is making a difference, and what does not need to be replaced before making a move and getting something else. Ask yourself, is this going to support or is this going to hinder something we're already doing really well? There is nothing wrong with consistency. All right, my friends, get out there. Have yourselves a road to awesome week. We'll catch you next time on Leaning Into Leadership. Thank you for listening to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast brought to you by Road to Awesome. Don't forget, click subscribe, give a review, and share this with somebody who might also enjoy leaning into leadership.